let's get started. I'm Joe. And I'm Brian. And we are Where is the Rulebook? We're going to bring you a weekly board game walkthrough for your lunch break or daily commute. This season one of Where is the Rulebook? We'll be focusing on games to get you started in the world of board gaming or just any staple for a game night. We will be walking you through the rulebooks of some of the most loved board games known by all. In today's episode, we introduce a new game. We'll give you some general information about it. Then we'll talk about how you win, what it takes to set it up, actions each player can take per turn, and what causes the game to come to an end. We have laid out a few examples that you will see when playing the game, and we're gonna play those through with you. Then we'll get a little more personal, talk about our strategies, our opinions of the game, and if we recommend you guys picking this game up. We've all heard of Battleship, but for today's game, we are all in a submarine looking for enemy submarines to blow out of the water before they find you. Today we play Captain Sonar. On the box, this game takes 45 to 60 minutes to play. And on the box, it says it can be played between two and eight players. Highly do not recommend that range. Board Game Geek says it's best with six to eight. And this game is a team-based. The best way to play it is going to be a real-time strategy grid type of game and include some role-playing. Now, where is the rulebook? When you open the box, first thing you're going to find is you're going to find two of each of the different roll sheets. You're going to find a transparent sheet for the radio operators. You're going to find a bunch of erasable markers, two cardboard uh, screens to block the view from your opponent, and, of course, the rulebook. Now that we have all of our sheets laid out on the table, let's talk about how to set the board up. You're going to make sure you check in the rulebook, though, to see how to create your teams if you're playing with less than eight players. You're going to place both screens in the center of the table. You're going to choose a scenario, and each captain and radio operator will take the corresponding sheet. And if you're playing in real time, players use the dark side of their sheet in turn-by-turn -turn mode, though, players use the lighter side. Each team sits on different sides of the table, and the rulebook tells each role where to sit at. Each first mate and engineer takes a corresponding sheet. Each radio operator takes a transparent sheet. Then each player takes a marker. And now everyone's roles are going to be different based on what they are, and that's going to be how, how the games go and how the turns go. The roles are going to be either captain, first mate, engineer, or the radio operator. And we'll talk about the captain first. At the beginning of the game, the captain will draw an X on the map for wherever he wants to start his submarine. It's going to be important to make sure your opponent can't see that, and that's where those divider screens are going to come into play. Then when both captains are ready, they look at each other and yell, dive. And that is the start of the game. Each captain then will announce the course of his submarine and draw the route on his map and then turn by turn mode you randomly determine who goes first and they do this one by one and the two things that the captain will do is going to be announcing the route so the captain will move his submarine through the space one square at a time and in one of four directions north south east and west and he must announce his course loudly and clearly so the all players can hear him and the rulebook says you should say head north if that's the direction you're heading. So you can't just say the direction. You have to like say head first so they know what you're saying. In real-time mode, captains will do this at the same time. They might do it at different times. It doesn't matter. As soon as they're ready to go, they can start doing the direction. Turn by turn, they're going to alternate turns doing one, one direction at a time. In both game modes, the captain must wait for their first mate and their engineer to perform their tasks, which we'll talk about, and announce okay before going to another course. And there is going to be a time that maybe the captain can't go anywhere, and this is what we refer to as a blackout. And if the captain can't announce a course due to islands, mines, submarines route, he must immediately surface. The next crew member we're going to talk about is the radio operator. Each time the enemy captain announces a course, the radio operator draws on his transparent sheet beginning anywhere because they don't know where the enemy is. By sliding this transparent sheet around the map, the radio operator will be able to estimate the enemy submarine's position, bearing in mind that the enemy cannot cross islands or its own route. And the radio operator will be able to narrow the enemy's position down further with the help of drones 
and the sonar, which will be activated by the captain or the first mate. And the next role we're going to talk about is the first mate. And they are going to be managing all the gauges inside the submarine. Each time the captain announces a course, the first mate will mark an empty space on any of the gauge of their choice. And when all the spaces on that one gauge are marked, first mate has to announce it loudly and clearly. For example, they might say the mine is ready. And when they do that, that lets the captain know that in this case, they can drop the mine whenever they want to. When all spaces on the gauge is full, the system must be activated before the spaces can be marked again. Only the captain can activate the mine, torpedo, the silence, and the scenario system if there is one. The drone and sonar can be activated by both the captain or the first mate. The first mate also does damage. So at the top of the first mate sheet, there are four damage spaces representing the four damages the submarine can take. Each time the submarine suffers a damage, the first mate crosses out one of the leftmost spaces on the damage sheet. And if all four spaces are crossed out, that submarine is destroyed and they lose the game. And the final crew member we're going to talk about is the engineer. Each time the captain announces a course, the engineer crosses out a symbol corresponding to the announced course, north, south, east, or west, signifying a breakdown. He can cross out any symbol in the central circuits or in the reactor, as long as in the correct control panel. Case of a system breakdown, if at least one symbol corresponding to a system is crossed out, that whole system cannot be activated. And before activating a system, the first mate must verify with the engineer there are no breakdowns on that system. In the case of a radiation breakdown, radiation breakdowns, they have no effect unless all radiation symbols are crossed out or they contribute to a complete area breakdown. When all radiation symbols are crossed out, the submarine suffers one damage. The engineer will announce damage, then erases all breakdowns on the entire submarine. And in the event of a complete area breakdown, that's when all symbols in a single circuit control panel have been crossed out. This is in both the central and the reactor. The submarine will suffer one damage and the engineer will announce damage, then erase all breakdowns from the submarine. So one thing you've heard us say is surfacing. Surfacing is an effective way to repair the submarine and the only way you can reset your route. Doing so will leave the submarine vulnerable for a short time, so surfacing should be undertaken with utmost caution. To surface, the captain raises his fist and announces surface. Then the captain announces to the submarine's current sector to the enemy team, so you have to say which number of the squares you might be in. In turn-by-turn -turn mode, you do this so you don't have to move. So before you announce which direction you're going, you announce that you're going to surface. The engineer will erase all breakdowns from the submarine, and the enemy team takes three turns in a row. If the team surfaces during these turns, all remaining turns are lost, and the game just goes back to normal. However, if you're playing in real-time mode, as soon as the submarine sector is announced, repairs can begin. The engineer begins securing the ship by drawing a line around one of the four sectors of the submarine on his sheet, making sure to stay within the white line. Then he writes his initials inside that sector. Then he passes the sheet to a teammate who does the same with another section of the submarine and continues passing it until all sections are secured, including all teammates' initials. The engineer then takes a sheet and shows it to the enemy engineer to confirm that no lines were drawn outside of the white area if this is not the case, the team must start over. If the enemy engineer confirms that all lines are drawn correctly, the engineer gets to erase all the lines around the submarine sections, all the initials, and all breakdowns from the submarine. When this is completed, the engineer announces ready to dive, then the captain announces dive, and play resumes as normal. And while a team is surfaced and repairing, the enemy team will continue playing as normal. Teammates on a surface submarine can use their marker pens only to secure the submarine. In the meantime, the captain resets his route by erasing the route on his sheet, keeping only the submarine's current position and positions of mines. We've also talked about activating systems. The systems will be activated throughout the game, but each of these will be explained in detail in the rule book. You can learn what happens whenever you activate one. You can look on, I believe it's page six of the rule book, but the different activities are launching a torpedo, dropping a mine, launching a drone, activating sonar, activating silence, 
or activating the scenario system if there is one. All of these things are done by the first mate, but then can be activated by the captain or the first mate, depending on which one it is. Just like with surfacing, if a first mate or captain is gonna activate one of these abilities, they raise their fist and announce stop. All other players must stop what they're doing and listen. And then you announce a system to activate. For example, I'm dropping a mine. You'll resolve the system activation, and then once that's complete, play will resume as normal. And there's a few things that we haven't talked about yet that will happen multiple times throughout the game, but don't really go into each role of each different player. Uh, one thing is that the submarine cannot cross or move along its own previous route. So just like their retro game of Snake, you cannot go over your own path. A submarine cannot move through an island or a space of its own mind. So you can't blow yourself up and you're not a car. So you can't go on the, you can't go on the island. And the captain can erase his route only by surfacing. So if you get yourself into a spot you can no longer move around, you have to surface. This is more of a tactic, but to prevent disaster due to breakdowns, the engineer should inform the captain when specific courses could damage the submarine. And the engineer must inform the captain of any breakdowns that happen. The captain will be able to decide to surface when he thinks he is safe and far from the enemy. And through only the radio operator can they guarantee that. This will allow for uninterrupted repairs and preparation for a new route. As another tactic, surfacing can be used to cleverly lure the uh, enemy into a minefield. And finally, how this game ends. The first team whose submarine suffers four damage loses the game. The surviving team wins. Some advanced scenarios contain additional objectives or replacement objectives that the team must complete in order to win, but generally, if you blow up, you lose. Four, four damage. These these submarines don't take a lot of hits. And so you can hurt yourself more than you're probably going to get hit with weapons. So surfacing and everything is going to be kind of important. They're antiques. Yeah, they're the very old submarines that were driving around. Very islandy water also. I don't know where they are and why they're... <laughs> it's, it's interesting. I can't remember the lore. The lore is like they're, they're really old submarines that like just by doing stuff hurts themselves. Yeah. Just by heading north, you hurt your ship. Like yeah. it, it literally is not like your budget got cut, but you still have to go to war pretty much. <laughs> I, I really like how everything kind of flows in this game because it really is Battleship 5.0. Well, yeah. I remember the first time playing this and I, I watched, you know, a few videos on it before we did our podcast and everything because I haven't played it very much for the fact that it really is the best with six or eight people and just like some of like the seven wonder duels it's very situational because you have to get six or eight people who are going to be into this but I remember even thinking at, during battleship don't ships move in yeah. the water like why do these ships stay perfectly still even as like a seven-year-old boy like playing battleship for the first time i was like that's where these boats don't move <laughs> and that's what happens here the engineer role i think is what really makes this game full circle because i like that they introduced the ability of because honestly what would you do like if you're a captain you could just go north 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 but thanks to like the sheet they can't go north more than six times yeah before breaking and taking a damage uh, and because the circuits don't complete all on the same board, they go across the different routes. He'd have to go north three and then east once just to reset it. So I really like that there is some strategy from the captain, from the engineer, like just those, right? All four have inner working connections. Yeah, the radio operator is probably the most isolated, but also can be the most helpful. So like the radio operator is only listening to the other captain trying to figure out where they are so until the captain is ready to you know potentially surface or fire a torpedo the radio operator is just there trying to do the best work they can do with the information that they're getting so when the captain is ready for them they're like a a backup kicker in the nfl like they don't do much but when they come in they need to do something like it's amazing it happened <laughs> they're also taking notes yeah so they're constantly like okay their their torpedo gauge is full or whatever and that's the whole like the whole first mate thing just like the engineer like it's so cool that the engineer you know is running around 
just trying to fix this old submarine before it takes damage. The first mate is trying to get those weapons activated so they can drop some mines or go silent for a few turns so they can, you know, get away from potential operator, radio operator from the other team. First mate kind of just feels like it does the least amount, though, in this game. Yeah, no, I would agree. I was just looking, too. So, like you said, in the rule book, it tells you what roles to combine if you're not playing with a full eight people and the first mate's the first one that leaves yeah so the first mate and the, well the captain i should say takes over the first mate's role it doesn't do a lot it's probably the it is definitely the easiest role it's gonna be you know someone who is invested in playing i mean they're obviously doing enough that they're gonna do something and they're gonna you know take damage or not take damage but inflict damage and mark their damage but it is definitely the slowest but they also have some of the biggest they have like the second most strategy yeah because they're the ones it doesn't matter which way the captain is going like the engineer it matters if the captain went north he has to mark one of the north spot as a first mate i can mark any of them so i can just be like eh, i don't ever want to drop a mine i'm never marking the mine i'm only doing you know the torpedo and silence yeah and just get those ones over and over and over so it's like it has strategy but it's also the easiest for sure the silence is kind of dirty yeah what is it move four move four places a max of four too so you don't even have to move four you can go silent move one and then be like keep going and like a sweet way to get around an island or something like that because you can just you know move one and they're expecting you moving probably at least three or four and just start back up and the drone, I mean, the drone is really nice, too, because it just, they have to announce their sector. So if you, like, mostly, if you think about surfacing, if you can throw a drone up first, and then if they're not by you, you know, you're safe. But also, if you're thinking about getting those torpedoes and mines going, like, you can make sure that they're I guess somewhere I never, close to you. I never really thought about this. But I like how, because, like, you need to have, like, three marks to do the sonar, right? But you got to do six to do silence. Yeah. But the silence is so good. But sonar, I think, is interesting because, it's, like, you can be like, all right, activating sonar. And your opponent has to give you a true and false statement based on the sector and the, uh, the line, right? Is it the row or column? Yeah. And they could just be like, yeah, we're in six in row ten. And you're like, okay, sweet. And then they could just be in, like, sector four. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I mean, to that same point, the drone is four instead of three. And then that one, they have to tell you what sector they're in, but not anything else. Yeah. So you, all of them, I mean, as you go up, they provide more and more information or do better things, which is, I think, just a fun. So there's some strategy, but I still think that the first mate's probably, like, like yeah, it's the reason why it's, taken out first and combined with the captain yeah captain arguably has the most to do even though they're just an announcing position they have to know where everyone like it's a captain yeah, i guess they're, <laughs> they're the captain i with playing it i feel like the most stress i'm under in any of these roles are the engineer oh yeah just like you're trying like i can just imagine you know i'm just thinking the captain is some like young hot shot from some like fancy family who is a captain of a ship and you're the guy who's like been on the ship for 50 years and you're like this young guy he doesn't know what he's doing he just keeps <laughs> wanting to go north and I'm trying to make sure we don't blow up ourselves because we literally can't move north <laughs> that's right because you can't over, you can't rake him if the captain wants to keep going north and you sit the farthest away from him too so like the engineer is on the far other end of the table so like yeah you guys can communicate like with like you know mouthing words to each other but you also can't be like hey captain don't go north anymore because that just that's too much information for the other team to know yeah and so you're the farthest away and you have to try to clean up this guy's potential mess of you know either being too aggressive or retreating too much or whatever it might be but like, you're the one doing all of that like managing of it it's definitely i think the most fun the engineer 
Or the radio operator. Or the radio operator. Being able to listen in, yeah. and your whole job is not to work with your team, but yeah. to just stare at your just opponent. Do whatever you want and hope that you figure it out for them when they when they call upon you. It's more like a puzzle, too, because you're just constantly moving your sheet around to be like, where are they at? Where are they at? Gotta find them. Yeah. Oh, they surfaced. Yeah, they surfaced. Okay, now we know where they are. And then, I mean, you even can use your map for a second there because it takes them a little while. So you use your map to try to figure out where in that sector they might be. What blows me away about this game is this could have very easily been a... Uh, I'm going to use Battleship again because it's like, theming-wise, it's pretty similar. You try to oh, yeah. shoot the other ship, except the submarines. This could have been very easy, real chunky, a lot of parts battleship game oh yeah like yeah for sure Real and thing. just have like a huge board but like the fact that it's four pieces of paper <laughs> i mean they're four laminated pieces of paper and then a clear sheet and some markers and honestly that's all you need yeah they don't have like battleship you know has all the different boats with the different damage you have to like put them in the boat yeah a little peg yeah just four boxes you check no big deal <laughs> well yeah it's laminated because they're all dry erase yeah but it's, you know, it's one of those things where I, I wouldn't change it. No. I mean, the only thing I could think about doing would be, you know, taking out the turn by turn. I've never played it in turn by turn mode. However, I think I probably should have. I think the first time I played it with my wife and a, a group of friends, we might have only had five people. And I really wanted to play it because it was right after we first got this game. And we played in real time mode. So we did like team of three and a team of two. And based on the team, it tells you like what roles to combine. But doing that in real time mode with like three and two on the teams, it just wasn't very, it wasn't much fun. And as I was playing with four people who've never played the game before, they, no one had fun doing it that way. Yeah. Cause it was just too much like one person had three jobs and that's just it's it's just a too lot. much the fact that they say you can play this with two people is actually crazy to me i would assume the two player is really meant for turn by turn only like yeah you can play it in real time mode two by two it tells you how but he'd be multitasking like crazy i could i could see us playing this with two or four people in turn by turn but at the same time, then it's just, I can't imagine it's as much fun as real-time mode. So, like, I'd rather play a different game with four people, I think. Maybe not. I mean, I really should try it in turn-by-turn -turn mode, but <laughs> real-time mode is just so good in this game that I just want to get six people together and play this game. At least six. We're going to have full eight for our playthrough, I think. Yeah, we'll do we'll do a full group. And, yeah, that that is the best way to do it is that everyone has their own role it's very fun and playable with six i've done it with six as long as you know the captain is understanding their roles because they take over that first mate role and the captain's responsibilities but i i would assume that the fact that they advertise it's playable from two to eight is only because it's playable in turn-by-turn -turn mode. So it really should be like two to four, turn-by-turn. -turn. Five, don't play it, and then six and eight, play it. <laughs> I feel like any odd number you just shouldn't play this game with. Yeah, it's not it, fair. It, one person gets three, one person only gets two. Like, it just makes it... Complicated. It makes it more complicated than it needs to be, because the game isn't very complicated, but when you start combining roles, it becomes pretty complicated. I, that's where, like, the rules get very, I think scary for like a new player they may see this and be like oh my gosh there's so many rules but honestly they're not because you only pick a role you yeah. just have to know that role absolutely the captain has to be somewhat aware of everyone's but that, that the captain can be the person teaching the game or the guy who played it before and then everyone else is just like oh this is you you're the engineer your only job is to mark off stuff yeah <laughs> that's it and then tell me when those damage yeah, and it's one of those rule books. I mean, you've talked about it before. Is it, it looks intimidating, but if you take the time to dive into it, which I completely understand, not everyone wants to take that time to dive into their game. And actually, yeah. just had that conversation with my wife recently. It was like, not everyone wants to play the same game that I want to play. <laughs> it's unfortunate. So like, sometimes I like will bring a game that is way more than anyone at the at the group wants to do, and I like really want to play it. So I try to teach them and. 
I have a pretty good time because I wanted to play the game anyways, but then like everyone else is kind of like, yeah. And I think that's what happened at this game is I, I forced it into our game night one time yeah. that we didn't have the right group for, but I really wanted to play it. And everyone said, okay, fine. But now we, I've never played it with that same group. I don't think anyone from that group has played this game again. And it's such <laughs> a bummer because this game is so good, but their first experience of it wasn't good. Oh, I've been there. But just like, I think it was Horrified. It was one of the first ones that you mentioned by this game just looks, maybe it was Small World. It's like, this game looks intense. For a, Small World. For a new player, this game looks so intense. And this falls, this doesn't have pieces like Small World. Like, like you said, there's only eight sheets of laminated paper that we use. But it looks, each sheet, it looks like there's so much going on. There's a lot going on in each sheet. The rule book is pretty big. Like it's, but it has a bunch of pictures which is super helpful for like explaining what you're doing but then also it pretty much has a page for each role so like to like what you just said if you play in the radio operator out of this like 15 to 20 page rule book you only have to read a half a page yeah and like that isn't bad but like when you open the, it's a big box it's a bunch of things that come out of the big box yeah, well, I want to talk about the box, by the way, because <laughs> I don't own this game. You do. I've never actually looked in the box, and we'll get to that after. We can continue. Yeah, I don't even know what I was going to continue with, so we'll go to the box. All right, yeah, I'm, okay, I'm okay. Distracted. Listen, listen, why is that box so big? <laughs> this game, I feel like, fell into what a lot of games do, is that they think board games must be 12 by 12 by 4. Oh, it, it, don't get me wrong. It fits pretty good on a shelf. Yeah, it's a perfect. It's a, it's the same game as like Wingspan, the exact same size. Like but Small World, same size. But like they, those fit like Tetris yeah. in that box. You have to like look at the rule book on Wingspan and how to put everything away so the box closes correctly. Well, the box even on Wingspan, the side of it has a diagram on how <laughs> to package it. This? No. This, this is like a like a like a, if you open like a dictionary. <laughs> And you only needed two pages, but yeah. there's 800. <laughs> That's how big this is. It's thick. Yeah, it is at least four inches thick. And you literally, the screens are the thickest part at maybe a half inch. <laughs> and then all the pages, put, even with the, was there six different maps? So there's six different captain sheets and six different radio operator sheets. And then one for the engineer and one for the uh, first mate. Even with all of those, it's like an eighth of an inch thick. And there's so much. And I think the markers take like have a spot in that box of two <laughs> inches thick. And they're like normal pencil sized markers. That's, they're not like whiteboard markers that are, you know, is that a divider like in the bottom. Is that like a real thick piece of cardboard? Yeah, it's like the, the classic like to make full, the fill yeah, in space to fill in space. So the markers sit there and then you stack everything else on top of it. Like, have you ever bought, like, a Magic the Gathering pack, pack and you're like, oh, this is really big yeah, exactly. when you open it, but there's just a big piece there's of like cardboard keeping stuff. it up? Yeah. Just and you're like, why up. is this even here? Yeah. Just to make it look big? It doesn't make it... It does help with putting everything away, because then, like, you know, the, you can't put the markers in first, because then everything's going to wobble around on it, stuff like that. But yeah, it's it's not necessary, but that's pretty common in all games, I feel like. And just yeah, we just got the expansion for cartographers, and the first thing I did now that I have the normal game and the expansion was I whipped out that cardboard thing in the box so I could put everything into one box. But I like that the sheets are so like yeah, this game could have been in a much smaller box, but then your sheets are gonna get smaller too potentially. Like I guess I could have made it thinner. That's what I mean. But they could have made the whole thing smaller. And like these sheets could have been small, like half the size, but then you're gonna start really no, struggling with it. Cause like, I don't think I would have made it smaller. I think the Just only thinner. reason that like some of the pieces are so big, like the engineer and the first mate, is because like the map. You make the map smaller, and it's, you're gonna have a hard time like just yeah moving that around. But I think you're right. I think that just having the box thinner, even half the size, awesome. That being said, don't get me wrong, box is pretty. It is pretty. That art is nice. Full it art pops out around. a lot. It's super colorful. Yeah, the box is a nice designed box. It just seems to be bigger. And I do believe that there are 
like a few expansions for it. Really? Like with I, I believe so. What would they add? Hopefully not more crew. Yeah, there's a few other. It looks like scenarios. So like Operation Dragon, Upgrade One. So I think it's just different scenarios, and those come in much smaller boxes. But those are kind of cool too, because those look like almost like a book. Like they, they don't open like a book, but the, the box looks like a book. Like you're reading a story. Yeah. Is this the first game that we played in season one that had up to eight people? Mysterium can be seven players, so it's six people in the and then the ghost. the ghost. Captain Sonar is just one of those interesting games where I think that if you have a group of friends that you like to play with, and even if it's like a small party, people that you know, I wouldn't play this with someone you don't know, but like if you have a good group, this is so much fun. The battleship, so this is, okay, okay, bear with me here. <laughs> the similarities of battleship, the fact that you have to like draw within the lines on the engineer, a lot of this is like callbacks to when we were young, right? Oh yeah. All the stuff, the map with snake, it's like they took all of these best strategies from all these different games you knew when you were younger and combined it into this. I think that enjoyment of reminiscing the nostalgia that's like built into you is like, oh, I can draw within the lines. That's what I used to do when I was a kid. I remember first telling you that that's what happens when you surface and you're like, that doesn't seem difficult at all. And I'm like, it's not difficult. It's just stressful. Because <laughs> you have to do it fast. You have to go as fast as you can without messing up. And so it's just, it is stressful. The reason why this is the last one in season one is it's not that it's complicated. It is big, but it's a really good game for a lot of people. Yeah. It's not really a grab and go. No. Yeah, it's, it's a, a great, it's one of the best times I've had with eight people playing a board game for sure. And I think it doesn't quite fit the mold of season one being that it's not that staple game that you know everyone has heard of but i think it's just so underrated so it came out like i believe in like 16 i remember it being hard to get when it came out like it wasn't around i see it all the time now now it's all around but like yeah it was hard to get at first i just don't ever think it got as popular as it could have probably because of it was, it was probably their fault to be honest the fact that they they advertise it as two to eight and like how many people grab this with two or three people thinking this game looks kind of cool i'm gonna play with three people eh, this game isn't that fun and then never touch it again and i think that's probably what happened to it is i almost wish they could have done one game with like two separate boxes inside for like turn by turn mode good for up to maybe five people probably only four and then real-time mode from at the very least four but probably six to eight people and have like two separate scenario setups inside the box like that would have done the best for them i was surprised i don't own this game i've never bought it you can get this for 35 dollars, like on sale yeah that's pretty good for like a good role-playing large number game it's just so situational it is but yeah 35 on sale i think msrp is like 45 i think i paid almost 60 for it when i when it first came out wow but i i didn't even question it because i i played it once before and you so i already it. had it we <laughs> played with eight people when we first played it i knew it was great we played with eight people it was so much fun and then i was like oh 60 i don't even care here you go and yeah, it's it's very reasonably priced. I just think it's just not as popular as it should have been. Yeah, I don't. Maybe the name. I don't know what it is. Like I don't know why. There's some games that we talk about. I mean, there's some games that are definitely on our favorite list that people don't really know about. Both of our favorite game, no one knows about. <laughs> yeah. I would, yeah, and so when we see that in the store, we're like, oh, my God, they have it. That's yeah. so cool. That happened just recently at the local store we went yeah. to. And it's just like, yeah, Captain Sonar is easy to find now. Like, it yeah. is pretty much at most board game stores. They'll have a copy or two of it. But it, people don't know about it. I don't, I don't know. They're, I can't see the box from here enough, but I, it's from a producer that makes 
legit games. Like it's not like it's a, a nobody company doing it. They have a bunch of games out. I just can't see who it is from here. And I don't remember writing it down anywhere, but it just never, it never grabbed the on everyone's shelf. And I don't know why. I think you, I think we've already kind of like made our answer here clear of would we recommend it? I'm going to hold true to if you have a small group of friends that are, let's say you have four friends, I wouldn't get it. Yeah. But if you were like constantly going to like a store, a game store, you're hanging out with a large group of people, or if you go to a lot of like friend parties uh, and there's like six, seven, eight of you guys or more, get it. Yep. I think that very situational. It's very situational. And it, it, it rides that line of like, it's like it's like Seven Wonders Duels. Yeah, <laughs> it rides that line of like it's a great game, but it doesn't always work in the friendship groups people that you have. <laughs> yeah, no, I would agree. I mean, I think we we were just working on the list for season two recently, and I think this is one of the most underrated games that I own. It's not the most underrated game I own. I'm not gonna say what that is because I think that's gonna be a season two episode. But this is up there for that underrated games. But I would totally agree. If you have four people on your every game night, I'm jealous of you that you have four people coming to every game night. But this isn't the game. This isn't the game for you. It is so much fun if you have six or eight. And it even is one of those times. So like pre-COVID, we I used to go, you know, to friends' houses and you know, there was 15, 20 people there. We would have like a potluck style dinner and then like we would, you know, have a few drinks and we would, you know, play Cards Against Humanity because that was the only game that could fit everyone because everyone wanted to play. You know, like catchphrase and they're all great, fun games. Yeah. But a few times we actually would break into like separate groups and that's where like this game can come into play because it's not a game that you can play with 10 people. It legit is only a game you can play with six if you've all played it eight is realistically how you should play this game and so like if you can break into two groups have one group play catchphrase and have a group playing captain sonar perfect fit for that for me i would say because i think it's so underrated and so good i would say if you are kind of the main person in your board game group i think you should pick this game up I think it's worth having on your shelf. It's on sale of 35, even 45. So, I mean, you can schedule a time that you can get six or eight people together and play it. It's one, and we just started doing that with our group, is, you know, one of our board game nights, we're just going to show up. We're going to play whatever we have numbers for. So, like, if we have six people, we're going to find some six-player games. If we have four people, we're going to find some of those. But then the other night of that month, uh, we, we're going to do it twice a month because it's getting into the spring we're gonna start you know going outside occasionally too but like the other game night each month we're gonna have a game like scheduled and planned that we're not that we're picking the people that we want to play with but we're gonna make sure that okay we're gonna play i think stardew valley no dead of winter is the next one we're playing and so like we have already said like okay these are the four people that are coming and playing this game with us just so we don't get into that point that we're going to always play, you know, a game that can play up to eight people because, you know, everyone is showing up kind of yeah. thing. So it's not that, like, we're not picking people. We're picking a game and then, like, saying, okay, we're playing we're playing Dead of Winter. It plays up to four. Who are the four first people who say yes? And then those are the four people who are playing. And then, like, I know we're going to do Stardew Valley soon, too, which I'm pretty excited about. <laughs> I'm excited, too, especially since it's the second edition. I guess they fixed a lot. So I never played the first. Yeah. Uh, many people no, didn't. It was hard, super hard to get. I, I guess they had a, like a limited run or they sold out real fast. And then, Even this one sold out real fast. I was talking to them and they said it sold out in like a, a day and a half. Wow. And like our buddy who got it, I think he bought it in like November and he just got it. And it wasn't a pre-order. Like yeah. it's not like he bought it on Kickstarter. Like he legit purchased it from the store he just and waited. he just got it like a week ago. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just nuts. But he's been dying to play it. I'm excited, though. Not to get off track. I'm excited because it's the first one apparently had a lot of issues uh, with some, like, balancing. 
yeah. this one fixed a lot, which usually happens. Yeah, I would say it usually happens. And I think, again, I don't know that one offhand, but that's not a producer of many board games, I don't think. And so I, th- well, I don't know. I think that's something that's pretty common. And we've all talked about it with, you know, Sheriff of Nottingham. Great game. First edition was not great. <laughs> well, you, like, it's hard, right? Because some games, yeah, you can have quality testers and you can have play testers. Yep. But, like, let's say your play testing group is like 10 people. 10 people playing that game versus like 100,000? Yeah. You're going to find people out there who figure out, like, the very niche strategy. Oh, yeah. And once they find that strategy and they post it, like, on Reddit or Board Game Geek, it's it, now the most popular. Yep. Yeah, and I know we have done a, our best job trying to stay away from that when we're playing Marvel Champions. Oh, yeah. Because it, we both, you way more so than me, but we both got into, you know, net decking Magic the Gathering yeah. when we were younger. And just, it took so much of the joy and the fun out of the game. I, I miss being, like, unknown. That's why Marvel Champions has been so great. Is it's all just like I, I get to read every card, yeah, and like go, oh, this card sounds good. I'm gonna put it in this deck and try it. It didn't really work, but yeah, <laughs> I think that's. I mean, the fact that it's not as competitive as what, like, like again, more so you than me, but it wasn't. It's it's never been to a point that that has been as competitive as Magic was for either of us. And so, like when we would do, you know, a tournament, you. If you weren't net decking, yeah, you, didn't really you just would lose first, and then that's not fun either. And so it was that was the teeter totter of like, I want to have fun. I get a lot of enjoyment out of making a deck, but I get more enjoyment out of winning. Yeah. <laughs> so like we had, I know I remember when we used to play together. This was post both of us playing more competitively, but we would have you know those net decks but then we also would have our fun decks our fun decks that we would play you know just against people that we kind of knew and things we wanted to try and that was some of the most fun i had in magic because yeah. i wasn't net decking and same thing with you know these play testers is that yeah you have even if you have 500 people play testing this game but when you have 100,000 people testing it cuz starter valley is so popular yeah like someone is going to figure out how to break it. Oh my gosh. Let's talk about, I know we're getting real off topic here, but it's the finale. <laughs> um, I think the prime example of play testing and not having enough is Gloomhaven. And that, uh, their fault there, I that game is long. The game is long. I don't, and I don't so think many variables. it wasn't, I don't think it wasn't play tested well. Cause I think, I think is what they did was that they fell into the thing that I happen to fall into often is I just assume everyone knows what I know, especially when it comes to board games. So like if I know how to play a game, I just assume that everyone at the table knows how to play the game. Yeah. That's not the case often. Yeah. Cause I'm playing dumb games that no one's ever heard of that I'm bringing to an event, trying to get everyone else to play with me. So like, of course the other six people that I'm playing Captain Sonar with don't know how to play Captain Sonar because I've never heard of the game before. <laughs> And I think that's what happened to Gloomhaven is that there was a group of people, the main people that were behind it, who knew the in and outs of all of those creatures and warriors and the monsters and the maps that they just forgot to write it down. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that game, don't get me wrong. Love it. We played it. We played it for like eight months. Yeah. But it got to the point where it got repetitive. So repetitive. And there is a clear imbalance between the champions. Yeah. And it's not even about roles, right? Like yeah, About no. like, oh, I'm a healer. That's fine. Oh, I'm a tank. That's fine. It wasn't a clear. And I like that some could be multiple. But there are some, and we both had them at the end. Yeah. Where I'm not going to spoil it in case you haven't unlocked them. But they were like, oh, I can do anything and be the best. Yep, and that's the thing. Once and that's even though we didn't net deck those, like the same thing happened. Like once I got that character that you're talking about, my first turn was always the same. Yep, and then every turn afterwards was always was the always the same. I just would move a different direction depending on where the monsters were. Yeah, and I remember I played it. I don't think I even told you this. I probably played it for at least a month before I finally spoke up in the group, being like, "I'm not having fun anymore." Yeah, because <laughs> like we were playing it. I mean, every two, week, 
two to three hours every week. Yep. And I was just like, I this is just so boring to me at this point. And the, granted, this was, you know, 80 hours into the game. So it's not like we're on the first night. I'm like, I'm bored. I don't want to do this. No, I loved it. It was a lot of fun for a long time. It just was at a point at the end that was I didn't want to lose my character. Like, I didn't want to retire. Yeah. I actually think I don't even think I could have retired my card. Like, I had to, like, do two things that, like, I think one of them was already done. And, like, I wasn't ever going to convince the group to go and do that mission again. And so it was, like, I'm not going to retire. I don't really want to retire because this guy is really good. I'm also not having fun anymore. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone else in this group seems like they're really enjoying this every week. If Honey Fire was, no one was. I don't think uh, one of us was. (laughs) Yeah. And he, he still plays. He still plays it. He plays online now, I think. Yeah. I own it. Yeah. So I can't. Yeah, I think he plays it like on Steam or whatever. He said it's actually really good. But we could uh let's let's hold off on that conversation because I think we could talk an entire hour on it. Not oh, even yeah. rules. Yeah, oh, Just yeah. talking. At least. At least. To round it back to this, Captain Sonar, not like that. <laughs> it's uh it's a lot of fun. It is it is a lot of fun. It is very situational. It's not quite as situational as Seven Wonder Duels, I don't think, because someone that isn't as into the theme, you know, you can get them to be the radio operator or the first mate, and, like, they will still have a good time. With Seven Wonder Duels being a two, a two-player-only game, yeah, you have to both be invested in the whole game. So in this game, you can kind of hide someone who maybe, like, wants to play and wants to be around everyone, but, like doesn't super care about what they're doing they just want to be around so it is situational but it's not i've never done this but not to cut you off but you already did too late uh <laughs> it's better be good what if you played with five people you played all four roles and the other four people played their own role it would be against the rule book i believe but but come on that's kind of like if you're pretty good at sonar, like if you you okay, let's take you. You played Captain Sonar more than any of us, uh, in our friend group. You could play all four, and then four of us could play one of each role. I don't think I could play all four in real time mode. I think you could. I don't think I could give directions, mark two boards, say okay. And listen to you, the other three or four players. Oh, that's right. The radio operator would be the hardest because you'd have to be listening while being like going north. Yeah, marking. I'd be marking. <laughs> I'd be marking all four sheets. Everything. I'd be, I'd have to like with both hands. <laughs> but in turn by turn, absolutely, I could. No, nah, I would try it still real time. It'd be funny. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I would think I would. I'd want to. Or add so like when the captain says north and the first mate and the engineer both have to say okay the only you could add that i have to say okay as the radio operator and then once i've marked granted i'm not looking at the islands or anything i'm just marking which way you're going at that point i think that would be the only way you could do it is by adding that second that level of verification that like yep i heard the four of you are coming to attack me i get it I heard you went south, and I happened to be south. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't have anything else to say. I think it's a great game. It is situational, but I highly recommend it if you have a larger group of friends. Yeah, and we, we've said situational a lot, and I think it's important enough to just say this again, is that just being that it's a situational, we're, I don't think either one of us are saying it's bad. No, it just, far from it. When you think of, oh, that's pretty situational, I think of like, oh, that's something that isn't going to be very much fun unless it's perfect. I just think you have to plan this game. Yeah. You plan this game night. You find six, eight, whatever number of friends, five if you want to do Joe's method of having one person play all four. <laughs> like, you have to find the group of people. You tell them beforehand this is what we're playing so they all know what they're getting themselves into. And you will have a good time when you play this game. That's pretty much all I have to say about it. I don't think there's much more. Well, thank you, everyone, for season one. Yeah, end of season one. So we have one more bonus episode coming out. Full playthrough of this game. A full playthrough of this game with all of our friends that we possibly could think of to come play the game with us. All mic'd up. (laughs) 
Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It'll probably be roughly an hour or so long episode, I would think. It's going to be a lot of it's going to be a lot of fun to do that. That's going to be a bonus episode. We haven't set a date yet for season two. I, I do know that we'll probably take a little bit of time off from releasing, but not much. I would assume before summer we have season two coming out. But we'll be posting dates, you know, on Instagram and Facebook and stuff when they'll come out. And then obviously, as long as you subscribe to us, you'll get the notification that a new episode comes out. Maybe by the time we do the real time episode, we'll have a date picked for season two. Yeah. That's also, we'll reveal the theme. Theming for season one was must-haves yeah. or ones we all recommend. Yeah, those those must-have games are also a little easier. A little easier, entry-level yep. type of games. Uh, season two will not be the same exact theme by any means. Like they're, they're, I already know there will be some harder ones. Yes, there will be some much harder games. And I think they're going to be the games that we tend to play more. Yes, our favorites. Yeah. I think that's probably enough potential spoilers right <laughs> uh, unless we want to just tell them i guess i don't know <laughs> no no they'll have to wait and see but yeah so this uh this one will come out we'll have a bonus episode a few weeks later probably two weeks later um and then we'll have our bonus episode this one and then by then hopefully we'll have our dates and everything planned but see us in a few weeks as we try to blow each other up team brian versus team joe probably and uh we'll see which captain can uh out captain the other. I Emerge probably, victorious. I probably won't be the captain of my team. I'll probably someone else be the captain. I'll be we'll be on separate teams. We'll see who wants to. I'll let yeah. them pick the roles. I think the captain is one that is easy for someone to grab because it's fun and it's like story charge. Direction, yeah. Yeah. They get to fire the weapon. So like I can already picture people in our friend group who are gonna want to be the oh, captain. For sure. <laughs> and I'm not I already know the two that are gonna do it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure too. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh that's all we have today for captain sonar uh check back in a few weeks for the bonus episode and we'll talk to you guys soon you can find our page on instagram at where is the rulebook or email us at where is the rulebook at gmail.com if you like this episode please subscribe and leave us a rating on your podcast app today this season is sponsored by tc paintball local to traverse city michigan tc paintball is a paintball airsoft tabletop, card, and board game store that excels at bringing in the community to enjoy all of our hobbies. But all of these games are either owned by one or both of us and are not paid sponsorships. Also, to all of our listeners, you can receive 10% off all board games and 15% off the featured board game each month just by mentioning Where is the Rulebook? And a huge thank you to John Ransom for making our theme song and the music you listen to while we're playing the game. And if you love that song as much as we do, check out Jack Pine for more music with John. Thanks for playing.